With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, everyone? And welcome in to another edition of B-Shape Daily. Brandon Schaefer here with you. The early morning hours of Sunday, July 31st. It's a not so fast, my friend, though, on that being the trade deadline. We're used to hearing 731 and that being the end of the trading period. Not so fast this year. Got to wait till August 2nd on Tuesday for that to come around. But hey, that just means a couple of extra days for the Cardinals to maybe get something done. Something big, perhaps. As we know, the Juan Soto sweepstakes are still up and running, at least as of this recording. At about 12.55 a.m. on Sunday, Juan Soto has not been traded as of yet. However, more information coming out about what it could take to land the superstar from the Washington Nationals, who, by the way, the Cardinals played on Saturday night and didn't go so well. Cardinals losing that game 7-6, to six, but I'm going to be straight up with you. I didn't watch a lick of it. I was at a gathering with some friends and was not on duty for the baseball game today. So we're not actually going to talk about the game at all on today's b Shafe Daily. And you may not mind that much since the Cardinals lost, as I mentioned, 7-6 to six to the Nationals on Saturday. So it might not be such a bad thing that we're going to focus on the things going on surrounding the Cardinals and not necessarily what went on with the specifics of their game on Saturday. We've got one trade to talk about. It was a very minor deal that the Cardinals completed on Saturday, but definitely worth bringing up and dissecting a little bit as the Cardinals traded Edmundo Sosa to Philadelphia. We'll talk about that and why we think that deal happened and what our reaction to it is, whether it was a good trade or not for the Cardinals. We'll decide that. And then we'll get into more trade deadline conversation surrounding maybe the potential pursuit of Juan Soto and what we learned on Saturday about another rival, another opponent that's trying to outbid the Cardinals in a trade offer to the Nationals to acquire Soto. And we'll go into that a little bit because we know the San Diego Padres have been a team hot and heavy on the Soto trail. And some information potentially leaked on Saturday as to what their offer would evidently include. And we don't know how true any of it is, but a pretty reliable reporter has reported some names. And so we'll talk about those names for the Padres, compare them to what the Cardinals might be able to come up with and and whether or not it would be worthwhile now that we have an idea of what the offer could entail for the Padres, should the Cardinals be willing to match or exceed that offer in their pursuit of Soto. So all that coming up on today's show, I want to take a moment to remind you, you can like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff to the B-Shape Daily Podcast. Keep up with all the episodes as they drop. We've been going on a pretty steady daily basis recently, and that is intending to be something I continue into the future. Probably no episode Sunday night. That'll be tomorrow, I guess, if you're listening to this during the day on Sunday. There will be nothing Monday morning I don't anticipate unless I get lucky and do something during the day. If, if a trade should happen Sunday morning, I'll record so I can have an episode out for Monday morning, but 
I do have some plans for Sunday night that would preclude me from recording at this normal midnight hour that I typically do. So anything that should happen will definitely lock and load at some time on Monday. And if believe me, if a big trade goes down uh, Monday morning, I'll end up, or at least during the daytime, trying to get something done to uh, react to it with the rest of you. But for now, make sure to subscribe to Be Shape Daily, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the other wonderful places that you can find your audio podcast. Be Shape Daily is going to be there. And if you'd like to support the show financially, no obligation to do so. But if you'd like to support us at bshafer12 on Twitter, click on the little money tab next to the follow button, and you'll see a link there to support the show via Venmo or Cash App. Appreciate those who do. No obligation to do so, like I said. Let's go ahead and get into the meat of the podcast by first talking about the Edmundo Sosa trade. This is a deal that I don't think should have surprised too many people. We knew the Cardinals were seeking a trade partner for Edmundo Sosa, a landing spot for the reserve shortstop who had frankly just not been keeping up offensively enough to maintain a place on the St. Louis roster. And the way Paul DeYoung has been swinging the bat in Memphis, it was only a matter of time before the swap was made. It was just a question of where would the Cardinals send Sosa and could they get anything of substance in return for him. For a while, it seemed as though an AL East team was plausible. That was what certain reports had said. Ends up not being the case. He goes to the NL East and the Philadelphia Phillies. The Cardinals pick up 25-year-old left-handed reliever Jojo Romero from Philadelphia, and they send Edmundo Sosa there. Sosa this season had a 189 batting average, an OPS in the low 500s. He had not been able to keep up the type of efforts that he put together last season at the plate where his OPS was close to 750, had a solid batting average, and that combined with what he had done defensively and continues to do defensively. I, I don't ever question his defense. I don't, as far as a base runner, he's got good speed, and he's just got good energy in general that he brings to the Cardinals. And I do think the Cardinals will miss that to an extent, but at the end of the day, you, you can't hang around very long batting the way that he had hit this season. 189 average, as I mentioned, really no power to speak of. Last year, he was good. Last year, he was filling a role on the Cardinals that was pretty relevant, especially when you saw Paul DeYoung struggling and, and maybe losing some playing time. Edmundo Sosa was there to pick it up, but this year, it just had not been the same, and it just seemed as though this relationship was coming to an end, whether the Cardinals found a trade partner for him or whether it went to be the designated for assignment route, which I think the Cardinals were probably very close to doing. If they didn't get a trade done this weekend, it may have been a DFA for Sosa because they had Paul DeYoung on the trip. He was on the taxi squad ahead of Saturday when he was officially activated following the Sosa trade. So they knew that this was coming one way or another, and I think it's a perfectly suitable move. Uh, you could have said this morning, I, you know, Cardinals could have announced that they DFA'd Sosa, and I would have said, yeah, that sounds right. Uh, the fact that they get somebody for him, all the better. Let's talk about Jojo Romero. Left-handed pitcher, he's actually a pretty hard thrower, uh, but it's just a guy that has not been able to to stick at the big league level so far in his career. Three seasons of big league action. 2020, he pitched in 12 games, had an ERA of 7.59. Last year, 11 games, ERA of 7. This year, only two games at the big league level. ERA of 13.5 has given up three runs in two innings. And in the minors this season, pitched pretty well. 12 games across four different levels. I think he's dealt with some injuries. So he's pitched at rookie ball, A ball, double A, and triple A. So far this season in the Philadelphia organization, ERA of 1.5 in 12 innings. 
decent strikeout numbers, 15 Ks in 12 innings in the minors. At the major league level, just 21 career innings, 19 career strikeouts. So this is a, a lottery ticket, a guy that very well may not pan out. The Cardinals sent him to Memphis. That's where they assigned him uh, upon the trade. He's on the 40-man roster, but not a guy that the Cardinals were eager to call right up. This was a move that you can get someone who's got a little bit more flexibility in terms of being able to be optioned to the minors. That's good. Whereas Mundo Sosa did not have that. That was why they they were stuck between the rock and the hard place on him. They had to figure out something to do with Mundo Sosa because Paul DeYoung should have had his roster spot weeks ago, to be quite honest. And then it became harder to ignore as DeYoung continued to hit well with Memphis. And so that was the move. I think it's perfectly acceptable, perfectly good, and maybe uh, better late than never because I just it was clear for a while that Sosa did not have a long-term future with this team. Now the question is, can Paul DeYoung give you more than he did before you sent him down to Memphis? Because his numbers were worse than Edmundo Sosa's so far at the big league level this season. 130 batting average, a 417 OPS, markedly worse than what Sosa was giving you, which wasn't much. But at the minor league level, we've seen some good things from Paul DeYoung. 17 home runs in 230 plate appearances. A slugging percentage of 552 is very good. And the OPS of 865 is really solid. How does that translate to the big league level? Well, we're going to find out. And we got our first look at it on Saturday with Paul DeYoung going yard, hitting a home run. So early returns, you might say, are pretty good. All the more reason to have made this move because that's not something that Edmundo Sosa was ever going to give you. He wasn't going to give you the long ball, the power. That's what Paul DeYoung has the potential to provide. And after a one-for-three night with a three-run home run, Suddenly, you're in a spot where Paulie Young's batting average is up to 138, baby. Uh, OPS at 461, so that goes up about 35, 37 points. Yeah, I'll be very intrigued to see how much, first of all, how much playing time Paul Young gets because you do have Nolan Gorman, who went two for four tonight, in the lineup. Obviously, things can change if they go for Soto. It may include Nolan Gorman. We know that that's always a possibility here. But generally speaking, for now, you've got Gorman in that middle infield mixture. You've got Paul DeYoung in that mixture once again. You've got Tommy Edmond there. Cardinals have to figure out a way to make that puzzle work. But if DeYoung is producing like he does tonight with a home run, you're going to see more of him. And that's exactly what the Cardinals... I mean, they nothing would make them happier. They're already paying the guy. They know that Tommy Edmond can handle the position defensively, but he's a gold glover at second, so... You're happy to go that route. And if Nolan Gorman has to be a DH, so what? That's fine. Does it mean maybe less playing time for some other guys? Maybe, but Nolan Gorman's probably better than those other guys that would fill into the DH mixture. So to me, it is what it is. I think you're playing DeYoung if he's going to put together power swings like he had on Saturday. You're happy with that. I'm just curious to see how much run they really give him. What if he struggles how quick are they to pull the plug and, and turn him into a more of a bench player? Be interested to see. Definitely going to be going to be curious to, to see really how much leeway he ends up getting because it really did not look very good before he went down to Memphis. It was it was rough at the beginning of the season, if you re- recall that. It was not good. But at the same time, they they have a, a track record of in the past knowing that Paul DeYoung can be a, a significant contributor for a lineup. So I think the move to trade Sosa was a good one, and it doesn't really matter what Jojo Romero gives you. It's a He's a lottery ticket. See if he finds some traction, can stay healthy in the minor leagues, and you may call upon him if you need him, and he's under team control for a little while, and 
he's got options this year, so you're you're happy with that situation. New Cardinal Jojo Romero, 25-year-old lefty, throws some good velocity. We'll see if we see him at some point later on this season. But that was not the most interesting thing that took place on Saturday in the wide world of MLB trade deadline rumors. John Morosi tweeting out on Saturday night, 8.09 p.m. Central, Padres are willing to discuss, and here are the names, C.J. Abrams, Robert Hassel III, and Adrian Morejon in trade negotiations with the Nationals on a potential Juan Soto deal, sources say. Abrams, Hassel, and Morejon. That's pretty interesting. Those are some names of, of note. Robert Hassel is about top 20, top 25 right now in the MLB prospect rankings. He's playing at high A in Fort Wayne, 20 years old, outfielder, hitting 303 with an 847 OPS at high A, probably pushing for a call up to double A at some point, but still pretty young, still pretty far away, but very well regarded, highly renowned, and somebody that people think is going to be within the next couple of years, probably two or th- two or three years from now, uh, a mainstay in the middle of lineups as a, as a big league outfielder. Top 25 all of MLB prospects, that's kind of around what you were getting with Nolan Gorman before his call-up. And then very similar with C.J. Abrams, which may be even a better comp to Gorman just because you look at where he ended up going to in terms of the top prospect ratings. Baseball America before 2020 had him at number 22. And then last year before the season, number 11 in all of baseball. Before the beginning of this year, he was number 9. And the Padres ended up calling him up, I believe, right off the top early in the season. or they, It was about a, a month or month and a half into the season. So you might say, well, actually, if we're, if we're comparing, you know, how does it look for the Cardinals to potentially beat that offer? And Morejon is a guy who had had some prospect chops. I don't know ever how far up into the prospect rankings he made it, but an arm that has been around for the, the, the Padres for several seasons now. But it's one of those guys that it seems like they, they can't ever figure out, oh, is he going to be a starter? Is he going to be a reliever? He hasn't really, you know, you guys got health issues. All, all these pitchers always seem to. But he's kind of been around a little bit in the last few years. But I'm looking at the game logs. He's only He's not ever pitched even 10 games in a big league season. But... 2020, he was with the team, and so that was nine games, 19 innings in 2020. Remember, there's no minor league season that year anyway, but then 2021, he missed most of the season, only only threw four innings all year, but still had that prospect pedigree. And then we've seen him a little bit in 2022 between the minors and the majors, but more as a reliever. So a lot of times, you know, starters more valuable than relievers if you can trust this young prospect to turn into a mainstay for your rotation that's a lot more valuable than kind of having to wonder and maybe he ends up in the bullpen and that probably depletes his value a little bit but still three names that are notable and so like I said let's compare it to the Cardinals what could the Cardinals offer well if we're I mean if we're being honest CJ Abrams number nine pre-2022 in Baseball America's ratings that actually compares more to Jordan Walker with the exception being that Jordan Walker is still several years away, and C.J. Abrams, we have some data on for what he looks like at the big league level this season, which would 
be the reason that I'd rather compare him to Nolan Gorman, but Gorman never quite got up to number nine in all of baseball in terms of top prospects. I think he was more around 20, 22, 25, in that range. 29 maybe was was his final ranking. I guess I could look it up, actually, because uh, typically, looking on baseball reference, they, they tend to, to put this in here. So pre-2022, according to Baseball America, Nolan Gorman, the highest he ever got was 34 in MLB's rankings. Major League Baseball, their their MLB pipeline, their prospect list, he was number 33. Baseball Prospectus had him at number 23, and then they dropped him down to 28 prior to 2022. So relatively comparable. You're talking about top 25, top 30 type prospects when they graduate the list. In the case of Abrams, he, he finished up as top 10. But prospects are great, but what do they do at the big league level? It, it should be relevant, right? And... Both guys are still really young, and so we don't know. There's there's still room for both of them to grow. The Padres need to be hoping that C.J. Abrams finds some of that growth sooner rather than later. He's hitting 231 with a 280 on base and a slug of only three 322. That's a 603 OPS. Uh, that's kind of not quite a Mundo Sosa territory this year, but it's not a whole hell of a lot better. Whereas Nolan Gorman, we know, has been doing some work. His OPS is up to 752, I believe, after tonight's game at the big league level. Similar batting average, but he's slugging. He's hitting for power. He's got 11 home runs. C.J. Abrams does not have 11 home runs. He's got two. And Nolan's had more at-bats, but not by a ton. 183 at-bats for Gorman, 121 for Abrams. Gorman also draws more walks, a little higher on base rate, and much more power to talk about. So I'm going to compare the two players that have actually been at the big league level, even though their prospect rankings don't line up exactly right. I think it's more fair to do it that way because we can have more apples to apples comparisons right now. I'd rather have Nolan Gorman than CJ Abrams, but I can recognize that shortstop more valuable position. He can also play some outfield. Ken Abrams, but if he can stick at shortstop, that ultimately is what's most valuable to teams in terms of defensively. That's obviously something that teams are, are going to covet and value pretty tremendously in terms of trade discussions of that nature. And he's mostly played shortstop this year with the Padres, but that being said, a little bit of second base, a little bit of outfield, not glowing numbers defensively in terms of the metrics. Defensive runs saved. He's got a minus in front of all of his metrics for the most part. Doesn't mean he's not a solid shortstop, but it doesn't seem that he's going to be a great one necessarily. Still early returns, not a, maybe a big enough sample size to know that. I like what I've seen defensively from Nolan Gorman at second base, and we know that he can also play a decent third base. That's what he came up doing prior to really last year. Prior to the Nolan Arenado trade, he never had to play anywhere else but third because he was going to be the third baseman of the future in St. Louis. Now he's switched to second. He's, lo- he's looked really good there, in my, to my eye, anyway. And I think a lot of people have found that to be the case ever since he was called up to play the position in St. Louis. So if you're looking at a way to compare or exceed this potential offer, they said they're willing to discuss these players, was what Morosi tweeted. He didn't say that this is the offer, but if they're willing to throw in all three of those names, Abrams, Hassel, and Morejon, then okay, let's try to find comps and say, if you're the Cardinals, would you do a deal centered around those three players, and then maybe you add prospects or whatever else to the bottom of a deal 
to, to finish off landing Juan Soto, that's the way you're looking at it right now, I would have to imagine. Okay, so Gorman versus Abrams. Again, I think they're comparable enough to say the Cardinals can can certainly hang with that aspect of the offer. Robert Hassel, I mentioned him a little bit. He's more comparable to Jordan Walker, but Jordan Walker is ahead of the curve because he's in double A at age 20, mashing, whereas we're seeing Hassel do the similar level of mashing at high A. 847 OPS for Jordan Walker. After the two home runs he hit last night, I would have to think that the OPS for him is even higher than that, even higher than it was. 890 is the double A OPS for 20-year-old Jordan Walker. That is prior to Saturday night. I Baseball reference will not have updated what Walker did on Saturday, and I haven't checked the Springfield box score to know. But pretty good numbers for Walker, and it's at a level higher than what we're seeing from Hassel. Hassel is a 21 overall prospect, depending on who you ask. Jordan Walker, top 10, pretty much no matter who you ask. Top 10 and rising in the case of Jordan Walker. So, okay, I would say the Cardinals have a better player to offer at that spot of the deal than the Padres, if they wanted to go that route. And then to fill in for Morejon, you can pick any number of the Cardinals pitching prospects because the commentary on Morejon of is he a starter, is he a reliever, we don't really know. Well, that basically applies to everybody in the Cardinals uh, pipeline in terms of pitchers. Zach Thompson's a fair comp. I'm not talking about stylistically necessarily to how Morejon pitches, but just throwing out names that are of a similar caliber, I think you could make make an argument for Zach Thompson. You could even say Palante, a guy that's got more big league experience, could be starter, could be reliever, solid arm. Uh, obviously, he's in the rotation right now for the Cardinals, so they probably wouldn't be too keen on getting rid of him without making several other deals to acquire more pitching. But that's an option. That's a name. Matthew Libertor might be even too high of a prospect because Mariholm, I don't know that he ever got really very high on the prospect charts the way that Libertor, who is basically consensus top 40 right around now. But that's another name that, like, if you wanted to in your Cardinals, you could definitely surpass this offer from the Padres. That's basically the bottom line of what I'm trying to get to. We're, we're making these direct comparisons. I think the Cardinals, uh, the, what you need to know is that the Cardinals do have the pieces to exceed what names are being discussed from San Diego. And maybe A.J. Preller is just not going to take no for an answer, and so he'll continue to add to it. Maybe Mackenzie Gore gets thrown into this, and then we, you know, and Mackenzie Gore's dealing with injuries. Every young pitching prospect, it seems like, does. I mean, around the game, it's been a brutal year. If you play fantasy baseball, you maybe know this. I'm I'm in dynasty leagues where I'm trying to get these young guys, and it's just ridiculous, the injuries going on. Mackenzie Gore finally gets to to show back up after being a top prospect and then kind of losing his luster because of injuries. And then he shows up, and he's pitching pretty well, making th- making some things happen, falls off a little bit, and now he's shut down team hopeful for a return in September. I don't know how you can trade a guy like that right now, but that would certainly be a name that you'd look at and say, yeah, that would be a tough one for the Cardinals to match if he were healthy, but he's not. So I'm looking at Abrams, Hassel, and Marejon and seeing Walker, Gorman pick a pitcher as the Cardinals have it already trumped at that point. Now, do you want to trade Walker and Gorman? Maybe not, but it is Juan Soto. And it we got to keep slapping ourselves in the face, I think, a little bit to recognize, hey, this is Juan Soto. This is Juan Soto. This is Juan Soto. You can't be too picky when it comes to protecting these young players, these prospects. I don't go as far as some Cardinals fans have gone to say, oh, they're prospects. Remember Brett Wallace? He sucks. It doesn't matter. It's not that simple. Like, you got to value young talent, young, controllable talent. Call them prospects, whatever the buzzword 
it, those those are the kinds of pieces that teams are going to value at this point in time. And so it's the whole, it's the entire currency. It really does matter. Just because you say a guy hasn't performed, we haven't seen him at the big league level, doesn't mean those those pieces are not valuable. And that's what the Washington Nationals are sifting through right now, trying to pick up as many of those valuable pieces as they can. Bottom line, the Cardinals have them to offer. It might be painful to do it, but Juan Soto is maybe the, the guy, if you're ever going to do it, that it would be worthwhile to do it for. I'm not trading Nolan Gorman or Walker or Carlson. I'm not trading Carlson regardless, but I'm not trading any of those big names, not even Mason Wynn, for a starting pitcher at this trade deadline. Because I don't think that there's any starting pitcher that's actually going to move that will be worth a Nolan Gorman or a Jordan Walker or a Mason Wynn. What I'm afraid of, though, is the Cardinals will back themselves into a corner. They won't be willing to go the distance on Soto. And then they'll say, well, we do need to fix pitching, and that's that's where we're going to devote our energy. But they'll get a guy like Frankie Montas or Pablo Lopez who've got some question marks with past injuries or workload concerns, things of that nature. And... Because of what Luis Castillo went for, the Reds got multiple top 50 prospects in all of baseball. Might be a situation where the Cardinals have to overpay and give a Nolan Gorman to get a Montas. I talked about this on last night's podcast. Head on back if you haven't listened to it because it's a lot of good trade chatter. And hey, you'll get to hear me talk about a Cardinals win instead of a loss like on Saturday. But with all that being being said, I just don't think I'm trading Nolan Gorman unless it's for Juan Soto. And even then... I'm uncomfortable and I might have to close my eyes and squint a little bit. And when I press the big red button to enact the deal, I might have to look the other direction. I don't want to trade Nolan Gorman. I think he's going to be, I use the word stud. I don't want to throw it around too loosely, but I think he's going to be really darn good. Even with some holes in his swing, the power is legit. If the kid's doing this as a rookie, already 11 home runs, led the minors and homers when they called him up at, at that point in time. Don't undersell Nolan Gorman by trading him for a pitcher that has a bum shoulder, and we don't know for sure if he's going to last. And he's only under team control through next year anyway. I'm talking Frankie Montas. I don't think I want anything to do with Montas. And the reason is not because I don't think he's a good pitcher, but because I think it will end up costing the Cardinals a guy like Gorman, and I'm just not interested whatsoever in paying that if it's the price. What would I do? You say, well, that's great, Brendan. You can be picky about it if you want. But the Cardinals do need pitching. They sure do. Carlos Rodon, who essentially is a free agent after this year because he's got an opt-out. If you're trading for that contract, you just, for the player, I should say, you just figure he's going to opt out because he's pitched his ass off this year. And why wouldn't you end up trying to go get yourself a long-term contract in this offseason? That's what Rodon should do. But he's been awesome this year. Way more than a strikeout per inning. Close to one and a half strikeouts per inning. Not quite, but 150 or so strikeouts and 115 innings, something like that. He's been really good. Cardinals could use it. And if he's a rental, so be it. Maybe he costs less because of it. Same thing with with Thor, Noah Syndergaard. I'm looking in the direction of those kinds of guys. I'm looking at Madison Bumgarner. And if the Diamondbacks want to pay down his contract at all, he's still got a couple years remaining. He's not really going to be worth the contract that he signs. So maybe in order to, to recoup a prospect or two, they say, hey, we're going to get out from under this contract. We'll help them pay it. We'll send some money to the Cardinals. But we're, we're going to be done with the Mad Bum experiment. I think he'd be fine in the back back of the Cardinals rotation. Playoff experience, you like that. But I am not paying one of these big-name prospects or young MOB guys like Gorman for Frankie Montas or any of the other guys who 
they've got these concerns, and I just don't think I'm super comfortable with it. Juan Soto, different story. And I think with what the Cardinals have the ability to do to match and exceed what the Padres are reportedly willing to discuss, I'm looking at that and saying, yeah, you might have to do it. I don't want to trade Jordan Walker if I'm the Cardinals. I don't want to trade Gorman if I'm the Cardinals. The pitchers I don't really care as much about in terms of being protective over them because I think I've developed this attitude of, well, all the pitchers the Cardinals bring up, they, they'll they either have an arm issue or they'll actually be better suited in the, the bullpen or whatever. And I don't think the Cardinals right now have that one bona fide pitching prospect that you're like, oh, yeah, under no circumstances can you trade him. Even Gordon Graceffo, double-A level, is pitching really pretty well, but could it still be a year or two before you see him at the big league level? And then you have to wonder how he adapts and how he assimilates against that kind of competition. Nothing is a guarantee with these prospects. But in the case of Gorman, I think it's it's not a guarantee, but you, you have some data to say, look, he's already doing it. And what he's doing is approaching Dylan Carlson levels of productivity. And Dylan Carlson is a guy that you really like the, the production he's giving you right now. He's been really solid, especially when you count his defense in center field. So I don't really want to see the Cardinals move on from Gorman unless they're making a big splash to improve their offense. And it would have to be somebody like Juan Soto to improve your offense if you're taking Gorman out of it because he's a darn good hitter. And he's only going to get better. So that's the bottom line for me. I don't want to see the Cardinals move Nolan Gorman at the deadline, period. But if they're going to do it, Juan Soto better be batting second in the Cardinals lineup this week against the Cubs and the Yankees at Bush Stadium. That's it. Like, those are the circumstances under which I do it. Let me know what you think. At Schaefer 12 on Twitter, you can direct message me. The DMs are open, as always. Slide on in. Or you can just tweet at me if you want to be public about it. I'm cool with that, too. Let me know what you think, because I think this is a really interesting conversation, and it's one that, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, to borrow from Kevin Demoff, who once said, fortunately or unfortunately, the our Rams team in St. Louis lost a bunch of games in a row, so we get to focus on moving to L.A., that freaking scumbag. But fortunately or unfortunately, we've only got a couple more days of these trade-type conversations. And as I mentioned, Sunday night's going to be tricky for me to do a podcast unless Juan Soto becomes a Cardinal while I'm in church on Sunday. Um, you know, I may not end up getting to, the, getting to the microphone before Monday morning, something like that. But we've got a lot to talk about. I'll obviously be active and heavy on Twitter because uh, the news is flowing. Kind of a quiet night on Saturday, wouldn't you say, with the way that the uh, trade deadline is is unfolding so far? Like, you'd think a couple days before is when things really start to get rolling, but we haven't seen a whole lot. Not yet. I still think there's an opportunity for it to get pretty crazy, and I still, if, if you're asking my percentages, the numbers haven't changed. In fact, I might even be a little bit more confident the Cardinals can get Soda than I was yesterday compared to the Padres. I won't update the full 100% to make sure that every little percentage is accounted for. But I'll just talk between the, the Cardinals and Padres. I was 25% each yesterday. I think I'll move the Cardinals up today, 30%. Because I'm seeing that, again, if if what John Paul Morosi is reporting is true, which he's generally pretty uh, much a reliable national guy that's plugged into these sorts of matters, if Hassel, C.J. Abrams, and Morejon are the names that the Padres are willing to discuss, the Cardinals can do better than that. It's just a matter of will they. And it's not going to be fun to trade Jordan Walker if they do, and he is going to be a menace if you get rid of him. And I'll I'll be thrilled if 5:01 Central Time on August 2nd comes and Jordan Walker is still 
a member of the Cardinals organization. That would be awesome. Same for Gorman. But you wouldn't be thrilled if Juan Soto was here as well. Like those are that's where it's at. And and listen, just as for as much as you wish it could happen, you're not going to be able to protect Gorman, protect Walker, and Carlson and still get this guy. Like you could drum up the biggest prospect package you want with Mason Wynn and Alec Burleson and even Brendan Donovan or Juan Yepes or Andre Pallante or Zach Thompson or Matthew Libertor. It's not going to work. You're not going to acquire Juan Soto without giving up one of your top three pieces and the top three pieces the Cardinals have to offer, in my opinion, in terms of trade value because of age, production, cost controlled, all those factors. It's Carlson number one, it's Walker number two, and it's Gorman number three. And then Wynn would be number four. Mason Wynn, double-A shortstop. You're not going to get out from under this without giving up at least probably two of the top three. And Carlson's the one I think you got to protect because... Bader can't step into play center field right now, and it would be heaping a lot onto Lars Newbar's plate to suddenly say he's the everyday center fielder until Bader returns. He's been playing outfield. He's been hitting pretty well recently, too. He's been really good. By the way, I'm not trading Lars at the deadline either, unless it's like I'm I'm getting a humongous upgrade because I like Lars to be the Cardinals' fourth outfielder for the next four years. Like I think he's definitely solid. You're starting to see that bat come around recently. And I don't want to undersell him and, and just throw. He's not a throw-in to me. Maybe a month ago, I might have said he's a throw-in. He's not a throw-in to me. Not in my estimation. Tonight, another solid night for, for Lars. Goes one for two. Scores a run. Drives one in. Had a walk, so he reached base a couple of times. Lars has an OPS of 703 now. I mean, he's doing well enough to where if this Soto de- deal does not happen, I, I, he's kind of an everyday player for the Cardinals at this point. I need to grab him in a fantasy baseball league. I mean, that's, that's the kind of way he's been able to to hit. And if you think I'm kidding, go to Baseball Reference. Sort the last game logs for like the last month. Just check out the month of July. And that's not even cherry picking because I think the first couple of games of July, he struggled. Well, he didn't struggle, but he went 0 for 4, 0 for 3 the first couple of games. So if you really wanted to cherry pick, you'd take, take those out. I won't do that. And I won't even give you what he did tonight because it's not on there yet on baseball reference, but it's still a a 1,095 OPS in July before a one for two with an RBI tonight hitting 333. That's for a month. Like that counts for something. So I'm, I'm hanging on to Lars as well. Now that doesn't mean that I wouldn't put him in a Soto trade if I had to, but I really, I really do like that new part. Corey Dickerson. Yeah. He, he played tonight. Pinch hit and then stayed in the game for O'Neal. O'Neal left with leg cramps. Hopefully nothing serious, but he was two for two before he left. But I could see a scenario where you trade for Juan Soto, and that's the day where you tell Corey that maybe uh, maybe his services are, are no longer required. Which, again, never fun to have to DFA a guy that you paid money to, by the way. But I could also see the Cardinals trying to pull in at Mundo Sosa with Corey Dickerson and say, hey, is there anybody out there that would would like a flyer on this guy? Because he has been hitting a little bit better recently. But if you got Soto, I don't know. Maybe the Cardinals couldn't afford to do it because O'Neal's always getting hurt and Bader's already hurt. And you might have to trade an outfielder like Burleson or Newt Bar to get Juan Soto. Kind of interesting. We'll have to see. I mean, Newt Bar homered on Friday. I wonder if the Nationals had any interest in him or if they're maybe developing some, seeing him do pretty well offensively the last couple of nights against their team. Interesting to think about. But that's going to wrap it up. I'm, I'm going to kind of end my uh, stream of consciousness here and just let me know seriously like I want to hear from you if you're a Cardinals fan and you're digging what's going on at the deadline 
What do you want to hear from B-Shape Daily? What do you want from me? I start telling you guys about, you know, hey, support the show, Venmo, that kind of stuff if you want to. Don't feel obligation to do that. But, like, bottom line is I'm trying to figure out what makes a Cardinals podcast go and what Cardinals fans want to hear. And so I want to bring the energy. I want to bring the heat. I want to make it so a year from now you're thinking, yeah, I would I, I would ride or die with B-Shape Daily. Like, that's my Cardinals podcast. That's what I want. I want to build it slow. And I want to make sure it's something that's worthwhile to you guys. So all the feedback, good feedback or bad, I don't even care. If you, you say, hey, the podcast sucks. I'm tired of hearing just you talk. Uh, get, stop doing it. I would say, well, okay, I'm going to continue to, to podcast. But maybe you just don't you don't have to listen. I really wish you would, though. But, yeah, any kind of feedback that you uh, might have for B-Shape Daily for me, I'd appreciate it. And if it's just to talk ball, I like talking trade ideas. I like talking Cardinals baseball. That's why I'm doing this. So appreciate you guys as always. Hop into the DMs. Tweet at me at bshafer12. Let's roll into this trade deadline. By the next time we talk on Bshafe Daily, maybe, just maybe, Juan Soto will be a Cardinal. We'll see. Appreciate you guys as always. And we'll talk to you next time on Bshafe Daily. Peace.